Welcome back to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Marvel's The Falcon and Winter Soldier. Don't flirt with my sister, because if you do, I'll have Carlos cut you up and feed you to the fish. Goodbye, Zemo, and welcome back to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and in this week's episode titled Truth, we see John stripped of his title, Sam and Bucky gain more perspective, and the Flag Smashers preparing for one final battle. But first, if you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but like way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back in a snap. Now, before we're all taken away to, uh, to the raft from, you know, by the door melange, let me introduce you to our support group of truth-seeking superfans. First up, he wants justice while wearing a jaunty jumpsuit. He's the jittery, jealous, jaw-breaking jarhead, Justin. I don't think Zemo's gone forever, let me tell you that. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And joining us for her geek-centric debut, we have the Atlas of the Ancient One, the archivist of the adventures of Ant-Man. She's filled with adoration for Apocalypse. She is the admirable Avenger analyst Anushka Latouche. Hi. <laughs> I Hello. <actually> might, <laughs> I might need you to write my resumes for me because I've never been introduced that well before. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Let's do it. Welcome to the show, Anushka. So happy to have you on the podcast. Excited to get your thoughts on this penultimate episode. Uh, for our listeners who've never heard from you, who the heck are you and what are you all about? Um, I'm just your friendly neighborhood Marvel geek that sits in my room and <laughs> does the do, you know? There you um, go. No, but like I've I've loved Marvel all my life. I watched all of like the OG X-Men, the OG Spider-Man. Um, and then, you know, the comics are a really, really, really big part of my a really big part of my heart. Like, I love the comics. And yeah. that's why sometimes when I watch, like, the movies or I watch the shows, some of the deviation, it does irk me. But, you know, it's okay. Progress, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of my spiel. It's nothing crazy. <laughs> so you're just a big Marvel geek, and which is why you're perfect to have on for this episode. And Absolutely. I think what makes it, like, so much better is I feel like I'm, like, a covert Marvel geek. You know, like no one knows that. Right. But when they do, it's like, whoa. (laughs) Well, yeah, like I I, I had no idea. And like, um, you know, we work together uh, in in our our real job. Uh, And so, you know, it's been fantastic to to just discover uh, how invested you are in the MCU and in comics in general. So it certainly makes my work days go by a heck of a lot easier, especially now with so much less to do at work (laughs) with everything going (laughs) on. Um, so it's been it's been a pleasure to to chat with you about this series. Um, speaking of, like, let's kind of we're, we're going to get into the plot, but just before we do, I, I'd love to know, you know, what are your thoughts on, um, you know, your your overview of this episode, uh, as well as maybe the series in general. Maybe start with that, Anushka. Um, to be honest, I think 
I after last week's episode, I was super hyped because I feel like it was such a big episode and so yeah. much happened. I was like I had mentioned to a couple of people who had watched it was they have to do something bigger than this if they want mm. that like overwhelming effect. And to be honest, I was a little bit let down with this mm-hmm. week's episode because it didn't have that same like whoa like this happened and that happened like it had its elements but i feel like last week's episode was like completely like mind-blowing but i think they set the stage for an amazing finale i think that's Mm -hmm. what this episode was about and that's why it wasn't like as boom in your face it's kind of like the calm before the storm i was just gonna say yeah 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 Yeah. cool justin i i agree with that wholeheartedly i think that uh for a penultimate uh, unlike the penultimate that we had for WandaVision, uh, this this felt a little subdued. Um, it still served its purpose as in giving us, like, uh, to your point, Anushka, like a, a real stage for a finale. Um, I, I think WandaVision actually did it a lot better, but because there was a lot more mystery and a lot more questions that hadn't been answered, whereas the penultimate episode the, the really kind of gave you all those answers. Very much so, though, I feel like you could create a comparison between the honesty and the truth, if you will, in, in that in that episode and, and what we kind of unraveled here. Uh, there was a lot of honesty that was shed uh, throughout in, in different capacities and uh, things that were revealed. Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't know if I, w- I think I was a little underwhelmed as well by this, this episode, but I, I feel like I'm a little underwhelmed by the series as a whole. Uh, thus far, but you know, really? I'll save that to yeah. Okay. I, I feel like you know, there's things that I'm really enjoying, and I, and I am liking where they're going. But to me, this seems more like a seed plant for the MCU universe rather than character building, which I think Wandavision did really well. Like, really cemented the co- the the characters a little bit more. But uh, you know, I'm always open for discussion on on that topic, Nate. I can see your your squishy face of like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that, Justin. Uh, No, I mean, like, listen, this episode certainly slowed things down, but this was such a boost of character building and maybe even too much to a certain degree before before next week, which I'm assuming, you know, to Anushka's point, is going to be more action-packed, more big reveals, more like, what? Like, no way. Um, And so as much as I would have loved, like, you know, more time with Zemo and even the Flag Smashers in this episode. Um, and also, oh, there was like a there was like a, a very out of place, clunky reveal that happened, uh, which we'll get to, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, I applaud Marvel for exploring, to, you know, slowing down and exploring the themes in this episode. Right. Like themes related to race, power, mental health that we've already, you know, we've been talking about in this entire series. And I I love seeing Sam with his with his family. Um, and his interactions between him and Bucky, I think, in this episode were the best that we've seen so far. Sure, sure. I, I, but to your point about, as you were saying, you know, all the things that were kind of lingering questions of like the race and the power and, and you know, the sort of social social aspects of it. Those were all brought to the forefront in this episode, I feel like. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that. Mm-hmm. That's where the truth comes from. Right. Is this sure. by addressing these things. So. As you would, Nate, get into the plot here so we can start <laughs> breaking this thing down. Well, let's do it. Um, all right. So this episode starts uh, and we see John running away after murdering Nico while the whole world was watching. He runs into an abandoned warehouse. He's truly unhinged uh, as he remembers his fallen partner and best friend, Lamar. 
Sam and Bucky approach John as he shakes his head, saying, time to go to work. Sam tries to calm things down by telling John that maybe they'll consider his record if he explains what happened, saying, we don't want anyone else to get hurt. Sam then tells him he's got to give up the shield and that he made a mistake. John says, you don't want to do this. And Bucky replies, yeah, we do. Uh, A huge fight breaks out in which Bucky's arm gets disabled, Sam's wings get ripped off, and John loses his shield when Sam and Bucky literally break his arm to get it off of him. Uh, Once the fight is done, John is passed out on the ground, and Bucky lifts up the shield, holds it for a moment, and then throws it to the ground next to Sam. Sam picks it up and attempts to wipe the blood off of it. He looks up, and we get our title card. So I want to know... What did you think of this action-packed, probably the only, I guess the only action-packed moment in this episode? Uh, Anushka, we'll start with you. To be honest, um, when I was watching it, and I actually watched it a couple of times, like the entire episode, um, there's a lot of parallel with Civil War. Yes. And with uh, with Winter Soldier, especially like the music in the background. Um, oh. And it plays twice. Like there's different motifs that kind of play through it. Um but I think it's so symbolic, especially with like the ripping off of the wings, kind of like he's ready to let go of that like persona of the Falcon. And then yeah. you, and uh, there's just so much that goes on. And the one part like that really, really got me. And I watched it like a couple of times just to like make sure I wasn't crazy. Um, <laughs> he is like um, John Walker is so attached to that shield And I think it's the same way that Sam is so attached to his wings and this persona of being the Falcon. If you guys remember in Endgame, when Cap is like ready to face Thanos all on his own and his arm is bleeding out and he like straps on the shield a little bit tighter. Yeah. And he kind of like, it kind of makes him whole. It kind of makes like, it's like an extension of him. But here it's like, John Walker was so attached that it ended up breaking him in a sense. Sure, yeah. yeah. Do you know wow, what I yeah. mean? And not yeah, just like no, physically, like mentally as well. Yep. Because yep. You, like right after this, he like loses it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, no, so, I agree. And I feel like there was just like this whole intro was I think just a setup for what the rest of the episode was going to look like um, in terms of, you know, the just the spiraling out of control for Sam. I mean, for uh, for John Walker, and then Sam really stepping up to the plate, and then Bucky just kind of being Bucky, like in the background, like, all right, I'm just here to help you out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he, you know, kind of felt like a a schoolyard fight, and your best friend mm-hmm. was there to help you. That's what uh, Bucky was like. You know, he's holding the shield, and then he, without saying it, you know, he's looking at him like, "Don't let this thing out of your sight again." Right? Like, we we got this back, so. And the thing is, even with that scene, if if you guys remember, like in Winter Soldier, when mm-hmm. Cap drops his shield and he's like, I'm not fighting you anymore. And I think like that was so symbolic when Bucky dropped the shield for Sam in kind mm. of like a handoff almost. I don't know. Yeah. I love the point that you made about the wings being ripped off and like him being stripped of the Falcon mantle to, to, to you know, inevitably lead him to the road of holding up the shield. And the idea that you know the iconography and the symbolism around the shield is is so relevant through the MCU and and, and in this episode you really or sorry in the series you you really see how important it is and to your point John Walker is holding on to that because i think that's the only thing left that's really defining him as captain america in his mind is that shield and you know to have that stripped from him uh is it it, it to your point it takes a toll on him 
uh, and we we see that kind of unravel and and him still hold on to the idea that what I went through and what I've done for my country, I am Captain America. The fight scene itself was great, very raw layers of 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 elements that are just kind of mixed in this fight that just speak more to the characters uh, than just a simple plot element, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree. There is so much of the, even the fight choreography, like it, very much it's the Tony, Bucky and and Captain America fight from from Civil War, right? Like that, the way that even the part with the, the lifting of the shield and everything, again, you know, call back to even just the previous episode. But yeah, like seeing all three of them have their, you know, defining power somewhat taken from them in the fight, like so much symbolism. Bucky's arm is disabled at one point, and that's so much of you know, what he's all about yeah. um, and Sam getting his wings and stuff like you guys touched upon. Um, I I think, yeah, it's cool to see. It's cool to see them put character growth or, or symbolism into a fight like this. Like it's just, yeah. it's not just there for action. It's there for, yes. for, for, you know, seeing. It served a purpose. Uh, yes. Exactly. Beyond yeah. just cool moments. It was intentional. Yeah, but I think maybe that's why the fight scene was like in the beginning of the episode, which we normally mm-hmm. don't see, was because it was just setting up the episode for yes. kind of like what the underlying message for this episode was, is the character development and the growth, which I kind of think happened a bit later into the series, in my opinion. Yeah. Versus 100%. like WandaVision, where it was just kind of like each episode, you were kind of seeing that growth and development. Mm. Versus here, it just kind of was all... <laughs> in my opinion, just jam-packed into one episode. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I think that WandaVision did a better job of sprinkling it throughout each episode. Yes. Whereas here, to your point, this felt like it had to establish and resolve, maybe, uh, yeah. a lot of the, the character elements, if you will. Yeah. And, like, I didn't get to say it earlier, but, like, the moment um, with with uh, John just becoming so unhinged, like, the guy still thinks he's in war like you hear them you hear him say the line you guys should see a medic you don't look so good like not a doctor a medic medic. and that just shows like how much like his time as a soldier is like embedded in him and how it's coming out because of of the serum um and i love seeing sam always trying to do things like the peaceful way at first and then bucky aligning with john telling him he doesn't want to make the same mistakes that he did as a super soldier um so i just think that the dialogue is so it's so true to these characters yeah and i think like when he's when Bucky says that and he's like I'm nothing like I'm not like you or I'm nothing like you, I kind of feel so bad for Bucky because I'm like he has he's come so far like why yeah. would you say that right It's sad it's tough yeah because <laughs> he's come a long way he's come a long way right? yeah, yeah he's come yeah. such a long way like if this was like the old Bucky he would have just like I feel like he would have just like ended that fight there and that would have been the oh, end he, of John it. Oh, John Walker would have been dead like he would have yeah, been like a long been totally time ago. Tough. Oh yeah yeah um, well. Hey guys, let's get back to the plot here. We we then see the GRC raiding the Flag Smashers camp, um, arresting Carly's followers. Sam claims that Carly is gone and that they'll never find her. Uh, Bucky leaves as Sam asks if he's going to take care of Zemo, uh, and he walks away. Torres walks in and asks Sam, uh, Sam what happened to his wings while picking them up off the ground. Then he informs Sam that Carly is laying extra low and that sometimes there's nothing to do until there's something to do, which I thought was fantastic. <laughs> um, Sam takes a look at the shield, picks it up, and thanks Torres for his advice. He starts to walk out and Torres says he forgot his wings. And Sam says, keep him. 
So really quick, guys, really quick. I know. I want to focus on that line there. Keep them. Does this pretty much confirm that we're getting Torres as Falcon at some point in the MCU? And do you think it's going to be in the next episode? Yes, this is a bit of an affirmation that we will see Torres in the Falcon suit. I think it's more of a confirmation that we'll see him in what we know as the traditional Falcon suit versus the uh, Mephisto theory that you have that he'll become a mutant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they're definitely not going to go that road. I don't think they're going to go that road. I feel like they're they're 100% leaning into he will potentially be the next sidekick. Will he come up in the next episode? That's a really good question. I I think that it feels forceful rather than, you know, intentional, right? It reminded me so much of like the the Iron Man moment with uh, with Rhodey the the before they recasted him uh where he looks back next and he's time. like next, next time, time right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it felt very much like that and especially just given how much admiration torres has for sam and for the character like the yeah. falcon character i think uh right. yeah we're definitely gonna get him i just don't know if we'll see him in action i completely agree i feel like i don't think it would be in the next episode because i feel like that's kind of too quick Mm-hmm. It's too fast. And I feel like, again, it would just be very forceful. And I feel like this foreshadowing is for something later on in the MCU that they have up their sleeve. They're so good I, at that. Yeah. And I think so I think that's that. the beauty of it, right? Like if yes. he just shows up in the next episode, it's like, okay, well, we kind of already knew that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But I think yeah. it's like, you're just on your toes. Like, when is it going to happen? When yeah. is he going to like pop out? It's just kind of cool to see how, how good, uh, to your point, Justin Marvel is at setting these things up. But I think it's also like what it's so great at doing is like it you don't know what it's setting you up for. Like, is it for like Young Avengers or is it for like a different a different movie that's coming? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't know where the setup is leading to. Yeah, it's very similar to like White Vision disappearing. In yes. oh. Like yeah. when is he coming back? Like where did he go? Right? Like yeah. that's the thing. It's it's kind of the same sort of thing. Like that's what Marvel does really well. They don't necessarily close books on everything. They mm-hmm. leave the pages blank for for you know future iterations of when they can reintegrate these these people into a narrative that makes sense. Uh, guys, we then cut to the deposition of John Walker as he is stripped of his title and authority as Captain America. After receiving an other-than-honorable discharge, John slams his hand on the podium as he exclaims, You built me, Senator. I am Captain America. To which the Senator responds with, Not anymore. After John walks right out of the courtroom, ignoring the Senator's plea to have the shield returned, uh, he's sitting down with his wife, Olivia, and... uh, you know, he explains to her, they, they just don't know what it takes to be Captain America. Olivia asks him to visit Lamar's parents, uh, and then they can rebuild something, uh, when suddenly, they're interrupted by the sounds of footsteps approaching them. Uh, we're then introduced to, <clears throat> let me get this right, because I won't repeat it, uh, Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, or Val, uh, she explains to John that uh, that him taking the serum has made him very valuable to certain people and that the best choice he'll ever make will be picking up the phone when she calls him. She tells him she knows he doesn't have the shield and it doesn't really belong to the government anyways because that's kind of a gray, sort of legal gray area. She walks away and says, I'll be in touch. Okay, so I need to know who the heck is Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. And what is she doing in this series? Anushka, I'd love your thoughts. So, so originally, um, she was um, recruited into S.H.I.E.L.D. 
Yeah. And she was a really big part of S.H.I.E.L.D. like in the come up of like Nick Fury. She was um, Nick Fury's, you know, counterpart for much, 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 much mm. of her S.H.I.E.L.D., um, you know, stint. Mm-hmm. And it's actually so funny because the only person that's ever had like level 10 shield clearance is Nick Fury. Fury and yeah. and right before he went underground after the whole disbandment and like the scrolls and like all of that, um, she got level 10 clearance and then she went MIA. But now we know it's because oh. she was working for Hydra. Yes. Oh, or was she? Da, da, da. <laughs> and, it's, and it's and that's kind of what the setup I think is, is because. It, she was working for Hydra. She was Madame Hydra. Like every, that's kind of what yeah. she was known for. Yeah. But then, <laughs> it actually turns out she was working for Leviathan the entire time. Yes. Wow. So, in my personal opinion, I don't like I, this setup. Could be for so many things. It could be for Hydra. It could be for Leviathan. Um, it could be for Shield itself. Like we don't know where she stands, and I think she's such a slept-on character. Hmm in my personal opinion, is because, like, she's neither here, neither there. She gives me very, like, Romanoff vibes. Yes. But, because she is so skilled at what she does. And I think, like, MCU playing her in this episode was so key because they could just go anywhere with her. Yeah, yeah. No, I I totally agree. I was so stoked to hear the name. But more importantly, I am beyond excited to see Julia Louise Dreyfus in (laughs) this Marvel Cinematic Universe. Let's just take a second. (laughs) Elaine has found her way into here. She is such (laughs) a great actress. And, um, you know, to to the point of what you're you're saying, yes, like her comic origins kind of leave her in a very... Uh, gray place if you will yeah. as as she describes um and and you know madam hydra her her influence i i also read that she had a bit of a relationship with with nick fury um, yeah. and she also yeah <laughs> and i also I, i've also heard that she ended up turning out to be a scroll um as well uh in in certain really? iterations with so, the invasion yeah yeah mm. so i'm wondering if that's kind of where the route they might be going uh with her character also you know she was integral to the rise of uh or helping bring about the thunderbolts which is you know we've mentioned yes. in another podcast uh which we've already seen a lot of the characters that featured in that and um yeah. so uh, there's you know to your point again is there's a lot that they can do with what they've with with introducing this character uh i also read though that like after i i, I saw this I, I jumped online and i read that originally they were thinking of introducing her or she might have been introduced in um uh black widow i think even again in in that in that film if she does show up it'll be very cameo uh versus yes. like actually having like some sort of integral uh narrative part um but i'm excited man i'm excited to see i yeah. that, glad. that was the cameo that everyone was was referring to so i'm I'm stoked that uh that we got it no and it's great because like what i think it does is like the setup for phase four for whatever mcu has yes. i think they could literally just go in any direction and it would be great yep <laughs> yeah yep yeah i mean listen when we heard rumblings last week that a huge cameo was speculated to to occur like I, I, I couldn't have guessed in a million years that Elaine from Seinfeld was going to show up on the, in the MCU. Um, maybe she's got a little more influence from her character on Veep, I think, as yes. Val, um, yeah. obviously. A little more dramatic role there. But from what you described, Anushka, like both a little good and a little bad, and her walking in with that card, I just yeah. got so many vibes. Like It reminded me so much of um, Phase 1 Nick Fury. 
right? Yes. When he's creating yeah. the Avengers, right? I could yeah. totally yeah. see them setting up an the anti-hero team, right? Yeah. The Thunderbolts. Um, and that's exactly what she's doing, right? She's creating the Thunderbolts. Maybe Zemo's going to be involved. Um, and I love the card that she hands them that has nothing on it, right? Yeah. Because I think she believes that the world is black and white. There's good or bad. Yeah. She's definitely bad. And she says gray. And mm-hmm. the gray is kind of the, 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 the shade that lingers between the two. And I think that that's, that's a very much a that's her. symbolism of who she is, right? She yeah. knows that bad can be done for good. You know, uh, very similar to like something like a Suicide Squad, right? Like uh, Val kind of seems like she's going to become, you know, be the Amanda Waller of, of, you know, the MCU, that that sort of government agent that knows that, you know, to leverage, to do good, you might need to leverage the bad, Um, Mm -hmm. which is why I think she's reaching out to John Walker. And I think this might be a very small detail, but I don't know if you guys noticed, but like she's known for having that white streak in her hair. That's kind of her like defining, you know, physical feature. And it was purple. And yeah. when you mix red and blue, what do you get? Purple. You... Whoa. Okay. Interesting. So I know there's a lot of speculation that because of like her, the color of her hair was like purple, she might be working with S.H.I.E.L.D. with mm. Nick Fury to, you know, to recruit for, you know, whatever, whatever the next phase of John Walker's, you know, career might be. But again, we never know. And but that's the thing, right? Like it could go in any direction and it would be great. Like it could it it could make sense. Interesting. Huh. Well, listen, if we get a Thunderbolt series, I will certainly be excited. Yes. Uh, but for now, uh, <laughs> let's get back to that plot. Guys, we see the Flag Smashers uh, walk through their raided camp, and Carly names the people who have given their lives just so they could live as free citizens on Earth. She claims uh, the movement is ready. They're not going to stop unless they make them, uh, and that it's time. Then we cut to Zemo in Sokovia standing at the monument for the fallen city. Bucky approaches Zemo with a gun in his hand uh, as Zemo asks James to do what needs to be done, exclaiming that Carly has people everywhere and that there is only one way to make sure she doesn't continue her mission. While Bucky appreciates the advice, he tells Zemo they're going to do it their own way. He points the gun at Zemo's head and pulls the trigger, but nothing happens. Bucky drops the bullets to the ground, and then the door and Milaje take Zemo away to the raft to live out his days. Ao asks Bucky to stay out of Wakanda for the time being, and Bucky asks for one more favor. All right, so what did you think of this send-off for Zemo, and what are your thoughts on where the door and Milaje are taking him? Justin? Well, they said they're taking him to the raft, so we know he's there. he's going there. Um, but I think the, the, that moment is so pivotal because I think Zemo is, is, is thinking that Bucky hasn't changed. Bucky's still a killer. It's still inside of him. He's going to kill him. He's going to do what's right. And I think in that moment of him not pulling, you know, pulling the trigger and nothing happening and showing the bullets, it's a reminder that people can change. He can change. He can be different. He's not that killer anymore. He knows what's right and what's wrong. Um, I do like though that, you know, Zemo towards the end there, he says, I, uh, took the liberty of crossing my name off of your list, uh, yeah, in your book. That. Um, and you know, I don't, I don't hold you, you know, any grudges for, you know, the, what you've done. Um, and, and I think that was a nice sort of send off. And, and I think it goes to show that, you know, as we talk about, you know, black and white and gray, Zemo is a very gray character, right? He has, 
good intentions, but the, maybe the way he's going about it is is not the best. And and I, I you know, I think that just goes to show his how his character can make a return, can come back, uh, be something else, and be something more uh, than just 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 a, a you know a crazy mind villain that likes to dance at the clubs, right? So <laughs> <laughs> with that amazing dance, I mean, Justin. Um, yeah, seeing Bucky get closure here without actually killing Zemo mm-hmm. while still going through the motions of killing him, like actually yes. pulling the trigger, it really shows where he has in his restraint. And the part where Zemo mentions he crosses his name off Bucky's list, I think both those moments back to back really show just how much these characters have, have progressed yes. uh, and have grown together. Uh, but Anushka, what are, you, what are your thoughts on, uh, on that moment? To be honest, like again, like I share the same sentiments and I think... It really goes to show how little people, you know, think of Bucky and think like of what he's capable of. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think the scene of him like even just like throwing or like dropping the, the bullets to show that he never loaded that gun in the first place. Like his mm-hmm. intentions were never to go in there to to kill Zemo. Right. You know? Um and I think that does say so much about again his character development and just how far away from the Winter Soldier he's come. Yes. And I don't know. I'm just excited to see like where he goes from here and like how this you know continues to translate into you know what he could potentially become later on. I, yeah. I will also just add to the scene that this is our revelation of truth. Uh, you know, that's a constant theme that runs through all of these little scenes that we've we've kind of talked about thus far. This especially, you know, the truth of of you know the two facing each other and coming to a a as as uh, Nate put it, a reconciliation of of their relationship uh, and knowing that they can they can exist. They can exist, right? They don't need to yeah. off one another just to, for the contention of of who is right and who is wrong. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that you know it's it's it is another added layer to this whole them- thematic element through this episode of truth. Yeah, and I I just want to quickly just shout out uh, how Ao mentions they're not taking him to Wakanda like you'd think they would take him to Wakanda. They're taking him to Raft, Raft. Uh, yeah. which in the comic books is run by Thunderbolt Ross. So yeah. you yeah. know. Having Val come in we've in this episode, seen, we've as already a, seen the raft, though, right in the MCU. Uh, you guys remember? Was it in uh, Spider Man? No, it was in Civil War. So oh that's yeah, where they were yeah. All being okay, held. that's the that's where right. they were all being held. Okay, uh, was the raft. So it so, is. It is. So, it's already exists in the MCU uh, canon, right? If you will. Mm-hmm. But but even still though, just like having it mentioned along with Val being like a recruiter type character, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I I just really think that further pushes that we're gonna get you know Disney Disney Investor Day twenty twenty one announcement of uh, the Thunderbolts. So oh, I think we'll get um, it sooner. I think we're gonna get it a lot really? sooner than that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. interesting. Well, because yeah. we we still have Ross to Ross is gonna be showing up in Black Widow's film, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. He's, he's, oh yeah. Okay. So, like, all the characters are there. Very similar to how they're seed planting Young Avengers. They're seed planting right yes. now for this Thunderbolt. Yeah. So, it's, it, there's a lot there. Interesting. All right, guys. Well, then we, we see Sam uh, back in Baltimore, uh, and, and he visits with uh, Isaiah Bradley. He attempts to show him the shield, but Isaiah asks him to keep it covered. Sam asks Isaiah to explain his story to him, asking him what went wrong. Isaiah shows him a box of letters from a woman who he loved, that were kept from him while he was in jail. While in jail, they told, uh, they told the love of his life that he was dead, and eventually she stopped writing. 
He explains that a handful of black men from Division 332 were shot up with different versions of the serum and that they were told uh, that that was just they were just tetanus shots. They were sent on missions and some of them weren't stable. Others died uh, and a couple of them got caught uh, by the enemy and the brass said they were going to blow up the entire camp to quote unquote hide the evidence. Uh, But they weren't evidence. They were Isaiah's men and his brothers who he saved and brought back only to then be tortured through a series of tests and experiments for another 30 years until eventually a nurse helped him escape by forging paperwork, having him declared dead. He says they erased his history. And Sam then mentions he wants to tell someone about Isaiah, claiming that the world has changed. And he reminds him that it really hasn't. Sam says the world, or sorry, uh, Isaiah says the world will never let a black man be Captain America. And even if they did, no self-respecting black man would want to be. Sam leaves and immediately calls Sarah, telling her he's coming home. Okay, so... Uh, that was probably one of the heaviest scenes uh, we've seen in the show, let alone the entire MCU. What did you take away from Isaiah's story, and how do you think that affected Sam's decision to reconnect with his family? Also, this episode gets its title from the comic series, which we mentioned on our uh, previous Watch Club episode in episode two, Truth, uh, Red, White, and Black, uh, which explores his origins. Um, so... Guys, I want to know, you know, what did you think of this moment? Um, what do you think Sam took away from it? I just, like, it's, it was definitely a very heavy scene, especially, like, right now with the climate of whatever's going on around the world. And I think, yeah. you know, like, if if you were in that position, like, why would you want to be Captain America? You know what I mean? And I think just, like, I think the title, just titling it Truth and tying it back to, like, the comic book origin of his whole story, mm-hmm. I think that was just, like, a masterstroke and like why they would you know how this whole thing has been thought out and isaiah bradley was known as the black captain america for much of his his career and i don't know i just the scene for me it was really really heavy and i i had to pause it halfway through and just kind of like step away and then come back to it um but i think what this is doing as well and just you know looking from a grander scope of marvel it's really um, integrating elements of like the real world and it's making it more so not just a science fiction or like a comic series or a superhero fantasy, series yeah. a yeah. fantasy it's it's something that you know we deal with in our real lives and mm-hmm. these characters deal with them as well and and yep. i think they did a really great job at that yeah a hundred percent um i agree with everything you've just said uh comics are always known to kind of integrate some elements of real life into their narrative to make it a little bit more connective to the readers. Uh, Marvel is not skipping a beat here by integrating a race topic into who, what it looks like to be Captain America. You know, they point out, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, uh, you know, a very, very reminiscent of, of, of a Nazi regime. uh, Yeah. Um, And, and yet they infused Captain America with, you know, the, the, the blonde hair, blue eyes with the super soldier formula. Um, and I think that throughout this episode, throughout the series, we've been dancing around this idea. Why did Sam give up the shield? He's, he hasn't said it outright. He hasn't said it. He's only hinted at it because it had to do with his color. But yeah. what was great is that Isaiah was the one to really put that in the forefront and, and put that truth in front of him. The, the, the truth that he could not acknowledge and that we could not hear. We have not even to this moment have heard him say. Yeah. But Isaiah articulated it. 
so beautifully. And that to me, this is the the heart of the episode. This is this is where the truth really starts to show. Um, and Isaiah really addressing the fact that, you know, A, the country would never let Captain America be black. And in the right mind of any black person, who wants to be Captain America? And I think that's the challenge that Sam is going to be faced with, is how does yep. he be the black first black Captain America and and be the best representation of, of what that means? And I think that follows as he goes back and he connects back to his roots uh, when he goes home, uh, and which we will get into. But again, I think that this this to me was like the heart of the episode. Uh, it was the it was the the sort of the 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 most the biggest realization and the biggest conclusion, if you will, and the biggest stage setter for what will be the future of of Sam as as this new Captain America. Yeah, yeah I'm 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 blown away with how much Disney is 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 having the series talk about racial injustice and not just tiptoeing around it yeah. uh, as we may have seen in the past from from Disney. Well, they still are. Well, sure, but not but this is kind of outright addressing it. To your point though, Nate, I know you 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 equate it to Disney. I don't equate this to Disney. I equate this to Marvel. Yeah. Marvel is doing the 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 right thing. Kevin Feige is doing the right thing by saying mm. let's infuse today's issues into our series to help create a conversation. Disney is just slapping their name and, you know, giving them a pat on the back and say go with it, right? Cuz you know yeah. what you're doing, right? And that's and that's really what it comes down to. But to hear to hear Isaiah's story, like he literally did the exact same thing that Steve did. Like yeah. the exact same thing that Steve yep. did, but he was put in jail for it. And so yeah. You know, you can see, you can really see That's where he was coming from, and yeah. right. And I, I think, you know, again to your point, Justin, it just shows, it really kind of just pushes the the narrative to the audience as to like why Sam did what he did, and I, I think that was so so amazing of them to to have that come through that character specifically. Yeah, it um, didn't come from him. But, it didn't. It didn't right? come from him. It came. It came through the the dialogue and the conversation and the real honesty that that yeah. Isaiah felt. Right. And the as, truth. Yeah. yeah. And as we'll, truth. As we'll see, as we'll see in the, the you know the next few moments, it'll it'll really just cement for Sam just how important his family's legacy is. Yeah. Uh, and their history. So, um, guys, we come back to see Sam learning that his sister is no longer able to sell the boat uh, as it needs too many repairs. Sam calls up everyone who has ever owed their parents a favor, uh, and the entire community comes together to lend a helping hand. Bucky shows up right on time to lift an engine off of a truck with one hand uh, and drop off a mysterious case. Uh, and he asks Sam if he needs, he needs more help. Of course, Sam agrees. Um, you know, after Bucky flirts with Sarah, uh, they get to work in a, in a wonderful fix-the-boat montage. Um, and after that, Sam convinces Bucky to stay with them, but warns him not to flirt with his sister. Uh, after all those feel-good moments, we get a contrasting scene of John Walker confronting and consoling the Hoskins family, letting them know uh, he would never let Lamar's killer get away, that he hopes they can find peace in knowing that the man who murdered Lamar got his justice. He leaves saying he's sorry, and if they ever need him, he's there for them. He walks by a Captain America poster of himself and stares longingly at it, almost as if he's sort of reminiscing at this moment of what he's just sort of lost. Uh, so, guys, you know, what did you think of these sort of contrasting scenes? You know, both these both these characters are, are dealing with, like, making amends 
with two different families. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, I I don't know. Like, I think that the, it's it's a polar opposite because he's actually being kind of like dishonest. Lamar's father asks, "Was this the man that killed my son?" And he says, "Yes, it wasn't yeah. because he believes he, it though." That's he what he believes, believes. It, but but he it's, knows. Not, but he right. knows though. He knows yeah. that because she's still out there, right? That's yeah. what's bothering him is that he hasn't actually finished that, right? Like he he hasn't brought justice for the loss of Lamar. So I don't know. I feel like in this, we're not really seeing the truth, you know, to go from this such an honest scene to something that felt very dishonest. Yeah. I mean, speaking of dishonesty, like to see him straight up lie to Lamar's family like that just shows, I think it shows how deeply he actually does believe his own lies. And I think, I actually think that makes him a more terrifying villain, right? Because all of the, anytime you see like a really good villain, they fully believe, like we look at Zemo, and I think he's an excellent villain because he so hard, like wholeheartedly believes in his mission and and where he's come from. And so to see John in that state, um, and and just to see him do that, I think it's I think it's just terrifying. Anushka, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I honestly I share the same the same sentiments, and I feel like when he when he looks up at that poster of um, of Captain America, and I think he realizes the weight of what he not only what he's just done but like how he has to move forward with it um and i think that was just really great symbolism of being captain america is not going to be easy and it's not going to just be all you know butterflies and roses and it's going to be all great and you know doing the right thing because sometimes you have to do the wrong thing to do the right thing Mm. and i think that's and I think that's what that scene entails. Yes, it, it it's yes, it's kind of a letdown of us from all the truth we've just heard come out and all of the honesty and like the vulnerability. But I think what this scene adds to that is Sam fully realizing what he's walking into and almost mm. embracing it and accepting it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just want to really quickly shout out the moment with Bucky flirting with Sarah just made me really happy. <laughs> I was the only moment where I laughed out loud in the entire episode. And so... He's, he's, he wants segment. to get back in the game, man. He wants to get back yeah. in the game. I know he's been so. out of it for so long. Yeah. yeah. And like how cute would that that would be a cute cup. Anyways. Um <laughs> so then guys, <laughs> we see Sharon Carter uh talking to Georges Betroc uh, as he yells at her in in the French, uh which apparently translates to um I lost my whole team on that last mission. I'll never work with you again. Uh, and Sharon offers him double this time. Okay, so guys, just really quickly, because I can't, I can't just skip over that. This now confirms that Sharon was the one who orchestrated Batroc's mission in episode one. Yeah. So that must mean she's the power broker, right? Come on. Well, well. Here's my here's my thought process. On it. All right, okay. all, all right. right. Let's 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 okay. get into it. So for me, Sharon is more of like the secretary. And I think she's okay. the one setting things up for the power broker. Okay. The reason I say that is, honestly, when they first said that there's going to be like this really big cameo, I thought whoever this cameo is, it was going to be the power broker, and we were going to finally figure out who it, figure out who it was. Right. But like, I really just don't think she has the chops for it, in my honest opinion. And I think yeah, if she was the same thing, yeah. And I think if she was a power broker, it would be a bit of a letdown because like. I don't even think she's like, I don't know. In my honest opinion, I don't think she's a power broker. I think she works for the power broker. She knows who it is. And she's kind of just doing the dirty deeds for him. Kind of like a secretary would, you know, like calling in the shots and getting everything organized. Second in command. 
Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Cause so that, cause it puts, if, if, if the power broker was doing all of this, it actually puts him in a pretty vulnerable place. So to have someone liaison for him, like a Sharon Carter to handle all of that puts him in less of a vulnerable place while he can still observe and watch as they say, the power broker's watching. I, I, I think there's also like, could Val be the power broker? Right. right? Like, could she, yeah. could she, or could she also be in some way connected to, because I know there's a lot of different iterations of the power broker through the comic books. And there is actually a character named Jack, uh, I can't remember his last name, but anyways, they, they, they actually gave a definitive character to who the power broker was. But then the power broker kind of like moved around as just being like alter egos to certain characters. I think even Norman Osborn at my, one point might've been, D don't quote me. We'll, we'll get Darcy to next week. We'll get Darcy to kind of flush <laughs> this all out. But yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think Sharon Carter is the power broker but they obviously she's involved and i think this just affirms that a little bit more it's that she is involved in some dirty business but you know your friend matt from work matt rona shout out yeah friend yeah, from matt work. rona he said that like she could be a double agent i'm still waiting for that to kind of have some sort of a reveal or come to fruition because it's sharon carter again she's the great niece of peggy carter who built shield it just seems so off-putting that she would shift to becoming a villain if it wasn't for some sort of greater good because i don't think that we really get enough of like understanding why if if she is gone to the you know the dark side like if you why will. she did yeah exactly oh because your country like treated you as a treasonous criminal so you went to madripoor and just became all powerful like i don't know no, like don't there's just so. there's some yeah exactly there's some loose ends there so there you know that she could be going completely dark mm -hmm. in madripoor and she's she's there infiltrating the power broker and that that could that could kind of evolve it i think the name you were thinking of was curtis jackson curtis jackson that's it yes curtis jackson mm -hmm. was the character i was thinking of so you know like that 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 name could show up we could see that character and maybe that's who it'll end up being is is someone who's going to be playing this Curtis Jackson character like a whole new person I feel like there's there's weight there to make the power broker a little bit more because to your point Anushka I don't think Sharon Carter has the no. chops for it interesting all right well we'll have to wait and see uh, because we'll always be watching this series and everything else the MCU puts out guys let's get back to the plot here uh, we get back to see Bucky woken up by the sounds of Sarah's kids playing with the shield uh, and uh, and he's kind of like hey and then they have like little kids like they put it down okay run away um so uh he then helps sam work on a part of the boat that sarah told them not to and she catches them and demands that they stop uh so they head out to the yard for a round of uh good old catch uh, with the shield uh and as they do they discuss the complicated legacy of the shield bucky explains that when steve told him what he was planning that neither of them contemplated what it meant for a black man to be handed the shield he apologizes and sam says thank you Bucky mentions that the shield is the closest thing that he has to a family. So when Sam retired, it felt like he had nothing left. Sam advises him to stop looking to other people to tell him who he is. Uh, and he gives some sort of tough love, uh, telling him to make amends, not by avenging, but by being of service, helping them to achieve closure. So, uh, you know, he tells him to, to start with one. Uh, then we, we do see Sam and Sarah fixing the boat again. Uh, and just as Sam is about to paint over their parents' name, uh, to Sam's relief, Sarah stops him. He explains just how important it is that they win that fight. She tells him not to let Isaiah get in his head. And he, he tells her, um, given all the pain and sacrifice, that he has to, to stand up and, and keep fighting. He picks up the shield, and then we get this awesome training montage. Okay, so... 
Who do we think um, Bucky is going to be of service to in our next episode? Uh, and what do you think Sam's? Uh, what do you think of Sam's work with the shield? Like hitting, hitting all the cool flips. <laughs> so yeah, the Rocky the Rocky montage scene is is awesome. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and especially just you know, like I'm glad that they gave us that. Like a lot of people called it yeah. out as being like very campy and cheesy, but I think that it makes sense. Like he is so out of his element, not just with the shield, but like in mm-hmm. the terms of like he he's not a super soldier. He has an acrobatic fighting style to him, so he's leveraging mm-hmm. that. And I got I, I'm glad we got to see a little bit of like how he will use the shield. It'll be different from what we might have seen from like the mm-hmm. the Captain America or the John Walker, if you will, uh, with the shield. But that being said, you know everything leading up to that you know when they're target practicing with that shield and you know we have that moment which you know i think is just a mirror of what had happened in episode two with bucky and and sam talking this was bucky acknowledging the fact that you know we didn't think of race when we thought of you as captain america this is also a reminder for sam that they saw beyond his color his color yeah yeah and they saw him for who he was as a person and also i really love that i got that notion in in uh, endgame that bucky knew what steve was going to do when he left with Mm -hmm. those stones that he wasn't going to be coming back and that it you know when he did come back it was you know it was going to be a different time and i think that that's a great affirmation that they had that conversation and you know Steve told him, listen, I'm going to stick around and, and be with Peggy, but I'm going to come back and give that shield to to Sam. And, you yeah. know, like that, that was a conversation. So I, I like so that, that we got some sort of confirmation there about about that and that it was almost like a bit of a blessing from Bucky to Steve to say you're choosing you're choosing the right person. Yeah. And you know what? I think like the point I wanted to add to like the whole um, Rocky training montage was I think it would have been such a disservice if he just happened to like be great with the shield and he was just like yes. amazing yes. right out of the bat because that's what John Walker was. He just came in and he just knew what to do. Yeah, Not really though, but I yeah. think it just shows that he isn't equipped for this role, but he's trying. Yes. And that's the thing. And I think that's what Steve would have seen that maybe he's not equipped, but he would, he will try to do the best that he can with what he knows. And I think that's why, even though that scene might've been cheesy, it was very, very important that he just wasn't like, he just didn't come in. He's like, okay, I'm Captain America. I know what to do. I know how to use this. I'm great with the shield and all of these things, but there's a progression to it. And then working on it, which again goes to the point that He's willing, you know, to step into this role now and just take it seriously. Yes. And look yes. past the the color, his, yeah. his his identity. And I I think we got to remember, you know, Dr. Erskine said to, you know, to to Steve, basically don't lose your heart. It's it's always in here. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's sort of one of the biggest reasons why Steve wanted Sam to hold the shield is that he knows that he has a good heart. He, ha- yeah. he has a good person. He embodies everything that's good of America that makes America great that he would be the best representation of of Captain America. America. So, yeah. I think that that, you know, we're starting to see as you said in that sort of that montage, him just breaking down that wall and embracing it. Yeah. And I'm I'm stoked. Uh, I'm really happy that we are going to get back to Yori um, from episode one, which I I was worried they weren't going to revisit uh, and and not really kind of pay that off. Um, I think it's the first thing we see in the next episode, and I think it's just such a good way to to bookend Bucky's growth throughout yes. the six yeah. episodes. 100%. Right, you start there and you end there with that yeah. character. So yes. I think that's going to be really cool. And also, yeah, those flips were awesome. 
I don't know if it was Anthony Mackie or if it was some uh, no. Some you could see at one double. point when they were doing it, yeah. it wasn't him. It wasn't but, him. Yeah, but like they're like, I like his fighting style with the shield. Like I yeah. like how he yes. was like trying to like he would throw the shield. He would do like you know one of those like corkscrew somersault things in the yeah. air and try to catch it. And he kept failing, and then at the end, you know, he caught it right because like, yeah. he's he's like coming up with his own like signature moves. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's well, making he it his own. How he would use the shield? How yeah. he would use the yeah. shield? Because because again, he was trying so hard to do the whole like ricocheting Captain and America bouncing. And, like, yes. The, ew, ew. Yeah, exactly. So he still <laughs> needs to he needs to find his own sort of fighting style with it. Yeah. And I think it like I think what we see over there is when he first does like when he tries to like grab it the way Captain America grabs it, there's such recoil on him. Yes. Yeah. And because if you notice, Bucky never like puts his arms in the sling. He always grabs it like from the side. And I think that kind of transitions into him figuring out how he is going to use the shield and how what his style with the shield is, because he doesn't have to do it Steve Rogers way. And I think that's the biggest, I think you know, underlying theme is he's trying to do it his own way and yeah. moving away from how Steve did it. Yeah. Yep. And we'll, we'll kind of get into that a little bit, especially near the very end of the oh. episode. Um, but back to the episode, we see George's Petrock join with Carly and the Flag Smashers um, so that, you know, George can uh, get his payback and they, they get a killer. Um, Carly uses her connections to ping even more people and bring them to her cause in New York. And Torres lets Sam know that he's uh, he's discovered the ping from earlier that day, uh, and Sam thanks him for his work. We then see the Patch Act vote underway as the members of the GRC discuss the ramifications of the act itself. Uh, and, and then the lights go out, and the Flag Smashers carry out their plan. Then we cut to see Sam opening up the case that Bucky dropped off earlier. He stares at it longingly, and he gets a little emotional. And then we cut to the credits. Now, just before we discuss, you know, either the attack on the GRC or what the heck Sam was looking at, um, you know, we also did get a our first after credit scene of the series. Um, so if you haven't watched that for some reason, make sure you do and then come right back because we then see John Walker, you know, melting his medals of honor to craft his own shield, which he then paints the same colors as Cap Shield. So, what do you think Carly's actual plan is? What do you think was in the box? And what did you think of John's desperation to create his own shield? Anushka, let's start with yourself. Feel free to answer any of these questions. So, what's in the box? I think that's the what's biggest. What's in the box? What's in the box? It's kind of, it's like Howie Mandel, come on in here, you know? Like what's in the box? <laughs> but I think it's I honestly I think it's like a repurposed you know suit for him like Wakanda style and I think it pays tribute to um when you know Captain America and Falcon were first in the comic series when they were first like getting you know fighting with each other and like Mm -hmm. fighting you know alongside each other he didn't actually he wasn't able to fly and um Captain America suggested going to either Pym or Tony Stark to get him you know a new suit and he chose mm. to go to black panther so i think it's a great tie-in that the wakandans oh, cool. gave him a repurposed really cool. suit right do you think it'll be made of vibranium it's gotta be right it's, yeah of course well because <laughs> i think that'll help him that'll help him it'll keep him more protected because like he's not a super soldier which means that like exactly you know, bullets and knife wounds and stuff like that are going to yeah. actually really harm him so and I think this is just again, this is a speculation. I'm not hundred percent sure, but I think it would be so cool to see this the, the shield, you know, repurposed 
in a way that would be better suited for Sam versus the traditional, you know, circle of what 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 we know from Steve Rogers. And I think it might just be a new iteration of what the shield looks like. Mm, interesting. Mm. I mean, whatever it's going to be, I think, as we were just talking about, it's going to really help him to feel like himself and not a replacement mm-hmm. for Steve Rogers, right? Um, and, and, and so it's, it's, he's his own Captain America. And I think when he looks at it, he gets pretty choked up. So it's got to be something that's going to be good. really, really be pretty good and, and be, I think, very distinct uh, in his style. I think it's going to be traditional. Yeah. Like there's been leaks already. So. But, oh really? Oh no! Don't yeah. look at it. <laughs> well, I've already like I had already seen it. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, there was a toy leak, but I think it's going to be traditional. If it is what it is, if this ends up yeah. being it, but um, I do think it's still going to be fairly traditional. It's just a matter of if he'll have the wings or not. Um, if that'll be the he's got to have the wings. Yeah, Vibranium would, wings, Justin. Yeah, Come dude, on, like it would be pretty. It would be pretty dope um, to see. Uh, John Walker building his own shield, you know, again, it just goes to show what that iconography and the symbolism of the shield means to being Captain America and what it meant, yeah. to, what it means to him as like almost like the biggest medal of honor. Do you know what I mean? Like it's the biggest yeah. medal of honor for him to have received. And now that he's been stripped of that, I think he's, uh, you know, he's he's out for his own shield and he's going to do he's he's going to get the justice that he 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 knows that he hasn't he hasn't fully resolved yet with with Carly. But again, I love the symbolism, right? I love the symbolism of his him, him taking his his medals from war and melting them into the shield. It's 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 in a way it's him uh, accepting the truth of the fact that that is always going to be a part of him. He will never be able to escape that. But he's also kind of saying, well, look at this. I'm going to take what what this government has given me and I'm going to make my own thing of it. I'm going to make my own. I'm I'm going to be Captain America, whether anyone likes it or not. Um, And so I think that was just kind of a it was really it was really interesting to see him use them that way. You know, in the previous episode, when he says that he got those medals of honors for the worst day of his life, it kind of spoke to me as well as that he doesn't think he deserved it. Right. He doesn't deserve those medals of honor because they were they were actually a lie. Um, I think that, you know, by him melting it into the shield, to your point, it's it's, you know, it's accepting the fact that, you know, the war that he went through, the trauma that he wears, it's a real thing. And, you know, he's infusing it into something new that uh will will in his mind serve as an as a an icon and a symbol of w- what he really stands for and that is yeah. america right because yeah. he, he is a soldier so mm. interesting um i did have something to add to that and i think uh, nate and i actually touched on this a little bit earlier um and it's it's funny again this just goes back to my whole like what inspiration they draw from the comics and what they what they leave out or what they don't. Mm. Um, so John Walker initially was actually known as a super patriot. And mm-hmm. that was his, you know, superhero name or whatever it was. And he wasn't a huge fan of Captain America. Like he would always bash Captain America. They've fought yeah. a bunch of times. And for him, then he had to take on that mantle when it was passed on after Steve Rogers retired. And he didn't want to. So I think seeing, like, knowing that and just seeing how fanatical he is about being Captain America and that just being his full identity in, in the series is it's really interesting. Um, and again, I was telling Nate, like, this ending scene almost made me feel bad for him mm. because I felt like they were taking, like, his identity away from him 
Um, even though he's a little like loony in the bin, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I think I just think he he's so in love with the concept. He's so yeah. in love yes. with the idea yeah, the concept, that yes. that that you know this is a, a symbol that he has that he can do the right thing. Yeah. That he can actually you know finally do the right thing as this this figure but i think for for him i think he's more bought into the persona of captain america of what steve rogers has made it out to be versus trying to make it his own do you know what i mean i think he's Mm. more in love with the idea of captain america like of what steve rogers has painted it to be interesting that's what i think he's in love with and that's what i think he's chasing after that validation and that the the love and support that comes from being captain america but i i don't think it's what it actually stands for stands for no and that's such a great contrast to to what we were just talking about with sam exactly of sam wanting to make it his own yeah because like you have two characters in polar opposite places like yeah john walker wants to be captain america because of what it means and that idea of what what captain america is whereas Sam feels like he knew Captain America. He knew Steve Rogers. He knows yeah. that he couldn't hold that that mantle up as well as 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 uh, Steve, Steve did. did. And there's also that that layer of of the race and you know will America accept a black Captain America? Sure, but I think the biggest thing was was knowing who Steve Rogers is. So you have these two sides that are coming at it at different ends, and I think that that's what's really great about it. Well, uh, guys, wrapping up our discussion on the plot, I want to know, what are your overall thoughts and final score for this penultimate episode? Uh, Anushka, we'll start with you, and could you give your score on a scale of one to five cool shield-catching flips? I would give it a three. Okay. Or three and a half. I'd give it a three and a half, just because of all like the conversations that were taking place. Mm-hmm. Again, leading to like le- leaning on my earlier sentiment, I feel like it was just a bit underwhelming. Yes. But it was a really great, great setup. Again, when you compare it to like One Division, when they did their penultimate, it was just done so well that you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm so excited. But I feel like in this episode, it was dragging a little bit. There, it was a bit slow. But I think it was a great setup to what's to come. And yes. all the foreshadowing and, you know, introducing all these key characters and the backstories. And I think that was great. But yeah, three and a half, 3.5. Yeah. Um, I, I, <laughs> I agree with you. It's, it's, it was an underwhelming episode, but some of the revelations. And I think that's just kind of how I felt about this entire series is that there's been some really good MCU building. Mm-hmm. But it's just been kind of a little bit slower and dragging. And, and, I, and it, it's weird coming from me because I, I love the Captain America series of the MCU yeah. like even the first Avenger right into Winter Soldier Civil War and just Cap's story throughout all of it has been so strong um, so to come to this this is a bit on pace with with what you would anticipate from from this sort of genre of the spy thriller political mm-hmm. sort of uh, layered narrative um, but that being said, I think that hearing Isaiah Bradley's story in full detail and, and the, the sort of them, thematic elements of truth that weaved its way throughout this entire episode, um, I'd give it, again, another, you know, f- f- I'd actually probably give it a four, uh, four out of five uh, cool shield catching flip thing nailed it whatever. yes <laughs> no you nailed it you nailed it um so i i would give it yeah i'd give it a four the last two episodes i gave a 3.9 but I, to see how they've kept the theme of truth 
yeah. yeah, as a narrative element throughout this, this so series, cool. that just kind of bumped this up to a, to a four. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I agree, this was a very underwhelming penultimate, and I think we were just spoiled with Wandavision. We were yeah. super so spoiled too. with Wanda yeah. Wandavision, and and its plotting and its seeding through the episodes and the er, ending every episode every week, just like oh my god, I can't wait for the next exactly. episode. Whereas like each week, I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. I'm looking forward to seeing the next Falcon and Winter Soldier, but I'm not like itching for it like i was with wanda like i want it now yes exactly Mm. so yeah four out of five okay very cool um yeah this episode as i said it slowed things down significantly uh from what we're used to it actually reminded me a lot of episode one um with with kind of the pace that that episode chose to take Uh, and i will say by the end of it it felt like they could have used a few more episodes to weave all of this character development into instead of pushing it, as Anushka mentioned at the top of the show, into like one episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of felt like, and again, they were doing that throughout the entire series, but this was a lot that they just kind of shoved into this penultimate moment because it's like, oh, it's the second last episode. We gotta, we still got to tell all this stuff. Um, it, it kind of felt like the beginning of the third act of a movie, right? Where all the characters have to like reassess their strategy for the final moments of the film. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Right? And and don't get me wrong, like I I that's really exactly enjoyed what this was though. You, yeah, to, to sure. Your point, that's exactly what this was. <laughs> Absolutely, and and I enjoyed what they what they gave us. I just think it felt too unbalanced, especially compared to last week's episode, which I just thought was balanced perfectly. Yeah. Um, so so this episode, you know, um, again, it's called Truth, and the episode was all about each character coming to terms with or discovering the truth about truth. themselves and their yeah. current situation. Um, yeah. Again, the way they brought in Isaiah Bradley and his story, and the way they show how it, you know, they show it to, to help the audience understand Sam's reluctance to the title of Captain America. You know, again, we talked about it, it was masterfully done, and we need more of that I think in the modern MCU. Um, and I'm very intrigued to see how we get more of that going forward. Um, we did get some clunky setup with, uh, with, with Val, with Julia Louise Dreyfus's character um, that really did feel out of place in this episode. But again, you can't fault them because again, that variety article that Justin mentioned, the, this was supposed to take place uh, after uh, we already got an introduction to that character. So Correct. this was supposed to be the second time we saw her. Um, so, you know what? Overall, like, again, this isn't my favorite episode of the series, but I can't give this any less than four out of five. I'm just sorry. Four out of five cool shield-catching flips uh, for this episode. And, like, he he catches it, like, real hard, you know, in that last <laughs> moment there. So um, I think that's, uh, that's where I'm going to leave off for my overall thoughts. But... Guys, before we, we end each episode, we like to share any and all predictions we have for where we think the series is going next in a segment we like to call, What the Falcon is Gonna Happen? Uh, so, Justin, what the Falcon is gonna happen? Well, I think we're gonna see a nice big showdown towards the end here. Um, right? You know, they, they did serve us up a a kind of a what they called a mid-season promo that, that showed, you know, Carly and, and John Walker going at it. Yep. So we know that we're gonna see that confrontation. Uh, they were. They did not show anything really with uh, Sam or Bucky in that battle. So you know it'll be interesting to see how how they show up and 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 whatnot. Um, I don't know. I I feel like right now all the players are there. My big the biggest question for me is: Will we get a power broker reveal? It'd actually be really smart if they didn't reveal the power broker. Hmm. Only revealed that Sharon was working for the power broker or right. is somehow connected. Okay. Uh, maybe she reaches out to Sam in fear of her life, and that's kind of how this ends. My other big question is, are we going to get a season two? Because I think 
they're like unlike WandaVision, this feels like there could be a second season uh you know that that might that might get announced uh which would be the first right so um i don't think that we're done with with some of these characters in terms of like in the in the episodic content um i don't think that now that we've been introduced to characters like john walker or val that they're going to just immediately jump to screen um you know we will get obviously like you were saying nate in that variety article we will probably see uh val maybe make an appearance in in black widow if they still intend to to use that scene yeah um and if we do then that's that's probably it it'll just be a little cameo again just like a sort of cameo appearance who knows what her involvement is i wouldn't be actually be surprised if val is actually the person who uh has some sort of involvement in the black widow program and like Taskmaster and and stuff like that, so I feel like there's there's going to be some some sort of hints there of who her character is. I don't think it was a clunky reveal. I think it was uh, smart. It did it did feel kind of out of left field. Um, and I don't really know what Carly's intentions are going to be. And like, is she going to hold them hostage? Right. You know, like what is she what is she going to do? So only time will tell. Not mm. too much time, though. We got, like, just under a week, so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Anushka, can you please tell me what the Falcon is going to happen? Um, Again, I think it's going to be a pretty big showdown, but I think I'm just most excited to see, like, what the suit looks like if he dons the suit. No, oh, you don't think he will? So now that's my thing, because I feel like all of this was a setup for, like, a second season, right? Wow. And I think... Okay. Here's my thing. Like, I would honestly, this is just a personal thing. Like, if he doesn't don it, I think that would be such a great transition into this new, into the new speculated season. But like, again, I think it's going to be a big showdown. I'm very curious to see about what Bucky does in terms of making amends. Yes. If they're going to wrap that up in this season, or again, if they're going to, you know, push it to the speculated next season. Mm. Um, I'm. I think I'm just more curious to see what John Walker does, like in his his little like broken mind, like what he thinks justice looks like. Right. And that's mm. what I'm the most excited to to see. Um yeah. That's and and again, like with the with Val, with knowing like what was supposed to happen with Black Widow, like no, it doesn't seem clunky. But I think she was just like randomly placed there. Yeah. And I, I feel like the introduction could have been a little bit more like worthy of Val you know like I think she was worth a little bit more than what they did but which maybe we'll get in Black Widow exactly exactly but I think the order that it comes in it's going to be mismatched yeah and And, this is what we were saying before it's like COVID messing up their timeline things are going to happen before and after that shouldn't really that that have broken their own order but does it really matter right like does it really matter like yeah maybe this one wasn't as 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 felt of a of a cameo introduction yeah as an introduction and and into her character but like you said in black widow maybe it'll be a little bit more robust and a little bit make more, more sense yeah make yeah. more sense but we'll have to wait and see hopefully hopefully i'm curious to see what they do with power broker as well like again like you said like if mm. they introduce who this person is or you know if we get a little bit more insight to build on for like the next speculated season <laughs> Yeah, I, I do think that the, I think you're you're you and I are on the same page. I feel like they're they're building towards like Some, it felt with WandaVision there was a conclusion. It's like how are you going to go beyond this no, to do another season of WandaVision? You can't, yeah. right? We, there's a lot of potential here and especially with how slow-paced and slow burn everything's been that there could be a second season. And I think maybe that's why everything was so slow. Like the build exactly, up yeah, was so slow. Yeah. 
Well, listen, I am. I, I really need to just Falcon jump in here uh, because I need to tell you what the Falcon's going to happen. Because obviously we're going to get a huge epic last battle. And I think everyone except for Val that we've seen in this series so far is going to show up. I really do think that. I actually think we're going to see Torres. I think we're going to see Sharon in some way. Um, and maybe, yeah, maybe we will get a Power Broker reveal. I, I don't know. You know, uh, we had Mr. Mitch George on the show uh, a few weeks ago, and he had mentioned that Bucky is going to die in this season uh, or in this series. And I think that having Batroc, I know, like Anushka's like, what? Uh, I think having Batroc involved uh, and how much she wants to kill Sam, I think this could be the reason that Sam is is maybe held back and unable to, to you know, save Bucky from John, who would want revenge for Lamar. And like, what a way to, you know, if, if, if maybe if Carly's taken out or if, or if, or if John gives up on taking out Carly, he's, he then sees Bucky as a way to just sort of say, well, my best friend was taken from me. I'm going to take away your best friend too. So I think it's very possible that if they start with Bucky making amends with Yori, that they'll end his story for, for good. Uh, potentially in this episode. I really hope not, man. I hope not I either, really dude. I really hope not. Like, I it makes sense, either. but, like, yeah. it's, like, for, for, for everything that they've done for for Bucky in this series, it just seems so ill-timed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but you, give us you a little up, bit more. Well, you brought up White Vision and where he, you know, where did he go? I think it could be another situation like that, potentially. So maybe he sure. doesn't die, but sure. he's it's but left he's, up in the air. Yeah. It's left up on the air. Is he still alive? What? Where is he? Yeah. What happened? Yeah. Um, it, so a, I sacrifice, could, a sacrifice play makes yes. the most sense because especially right? when the words that Sam was saying, you know, how are you going to be a service yes. to these people? Yeah. Maybe it's a sacrifice, right? Maybe, maybe he saves is, Yori. Maybe, right? Like, I don't know. You know, it, it, there's a lot. There's a lot there. But, you yeah. know... I gotta say, I, 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 the theory that Anushka has about like the shield, uh, the costume not necessarily making an appearance, I feel like that's like you, we've been working towards potentially seeing this. And like, come on, you got to imagine John Walker with his half-ass made shield, <laughs> going yeah, up, and his costume going up against, you know, Sam with yeah. the shield in his yeah. costume. That's gonna be. It's gonna be some epic, epic visuals, right? So be like, it'll, yeah. it'll be cool. No, I know. It'll be cool. Interesting. All right. Well, we'll have to wait and see, but not too long, as Justin said. We're only under a week uh, to get to there. Um, now, Anushka, thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. Thank you for having me. Again, it was such a pleasure having you on to share your perspective on this show and the MCU. Uh, and I look forward to maybe even off air talking to you about that uh, that finale. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Um, I yeah. definitely was very nervous because I'm like, oh, I've never shared my nerdiness before. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I love it. It's great. It's a great conversation. And I think yeah. it's uh, it's something that I feel like a lot of us have grown up with. And, you know, being able to reintegrate that into our adult lives is uh, it's, it's been great. I, I got to so, say, though, uh, your perspective was great. And, and I think that, you know, uh, we live in a different age uh, where it's not just boys reading yeah. comics. A lot of females read comics, and I think it's it's really great to get a female's perspective. Uh, we have a group of friends that have their own podcast, Video Dames, that do something very Shout similar out. to that. Yeah. Um, and so, like, we just you know we we love the idea of having having anyone's opinions and anyone who's who's just as geeky as we are and wants to dive yeah. deep into this this stuff. So, thank you for coming. I really I, I I had a great time chatting with you. I think to that point, I think you know there is a lot of like comics out there geared for women. There's a lot of Marvel teams that were just women centered and I think 
I think this whole notion of, you know, Marvel or comics or, you know, just, you know, even DC for that matter is only for boys or only for men or only they can understand it. It's, it's come, no, it's hogwash, if you ask me. (laughs) Yeah, anyone and everyone can be geek centric. And that's really what we're all about. 100%. So very cool. Well, listen, that's it. We hope you enjoyed this week's uh, slower paced. Uh, penultimate episode of Watch Club. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already, uh, which, like, why haven't you done that? Do that, bro. Uh, or ma'am. Uh, if you want to write into the show with your thoughts on this episode or your predictions for the series, well, listen, you don't have to fix the family boat to get our email, even though I've heard that Justin does love the open water. He's a huge fan. Uh, Justin, can you let our listeners know where they can write into the show? Well, they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's right. Yeah. And if you don't know, we also have more than just Watch Club. We also have our regular episodes of the Geek Centric Podcast uh, with our latest episode out now where I am joined by Alyssa Balistrieri from Video Dames, the podcast, uh, and Mitch George from the Press YYZ podcast as we discuss the latest news and trailers from across the gaming industry. Uh, We also play another round of uh, Fake or Real with a very Japanese RPG twist. So uh, definitely go give that a listen and feel free to give it five stars on apple podcast justin anushka thank you so much for joining me for today's watch club and as we say on on your your left. left